0: Now get 0% APR or up to $1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in? And in the end it is caught for the win! Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it?
1: welcome back to another episode of the packs with she said podcast i am one of your co-hosts maggie loney joined as always by perry goldstein and we have officially wrapped up mandatory minicamp for the packers aaron Rodgers, of course was there there was never a question whether or not he would be um, getting his first glimpse at the rookie wide receivers not a ton i guess that's come out as far as anything surprising or anything unexpected from minicamp aside from maybe the fact that alan lazard wasn't there but he's technically hasn't signed his contract yet. So, you know, Perry, what about you? Anything stand out to you? Anything surprising? Anything just, just, it's mini camp. We're we're back in football season, I guess.
0: Yeah, Um, it's definitely a different team. I think that's like my biggest takeaway is it it looks like a different team. It feels like a different team. Um, Clear, like kind of vet leaders are not there now that everyone's back and it's a lot younger. And I think that's exciting. It's just like the evolution of how, things go Um, and maybe other people expected it. I did too, but seeing it, you know, um, just feels a little bit different, but Packers have been kind of the same the last couple of seasons. And I think we'll get into some of these questions about what, how we think the offense is going to look and what's going to be different. So I'm excited, hopefully, that they kind of added some new juice, Um, especially like Sammy Watkins. I think he's a really interesting personality um and skill set and I hope that he starts to click with Rodgers just like we hope Rodgers clicks with the with the rookie wide receivers but I kind of have my eye on just this whole next chapter in Sammy Watkins um career
1: yeah and before we get into you know we did say on Twitter that this was going to be a QA and a episode thank you to everyone that sent in questions we got some really good ones um but you know I know that you were listening to the Mina Kimes podcast and she had, you know, really fantastic things to say about the Packers defense. And I think that so far is what stood out to me, like hearing reports out of Minicamp. I love Rasul Douglas as the nickel. I think that's so cool. I'm sure, you know, it won't just be him consistently, but I think he was probably the least likely to do it when we were initially thinking about who might get that look. And the fact that he's, you know, in that spot and seems to be really enjoying it is cool. Um, And I also like the versatility that we're seeing out of Quay Walker. I like that they're already using him in some packages to set the edge where instead of, or in letting guys like Rashawn Geary, you know, play kind of the roaming nose above the middle. Um, So lots of fun looks coming for this defense.
0: Yeah. Sometimes I like... I, I listen to, I think listeners know a lot of more like around the NFL type shows. And I think sometimes I do it mainly to check myself as a fan because you can get kind of homery and you can look at this yeah. pack of defense and be really high on it and then think, is it just because I, I have high hopes for them? Or is it because the skill sets and how they look on paper is actually going to add up to being a top defense? So to hear both her and Deontay Lee, who was her guest, um, he works for PFF. Actually, if you haven't read some of his stuff, it's it's really great. Um, he's mainly writes about defense. So love it. Um, he also loves cornerbacks. So I read a lot of his stuff, but they were talking about just defenses around the league. They looked back at some of the top defenses that they she tried to predict for last season. Some of them were kind of funny. Some of them were like sad, like the Ravens just got so hurt. And then they she does the same exercise kind of every year. And both of them, Mina had Green Bay at her top two. And Deontay Lee had Green Bay in his top three. So, And I agree with them, right? If you look at the Packers... On paper, they don't really have any holes at any of the three kind of phases of defense from the front seven to the secondary to now, like you mentioned with Quay Walker coming in. They now have three linebackers that um obviously we have to see what Quay could actually do when it comes to game time. But um, there's a lot of depth, and I think the Packers have filled holes. You know, we look at the defensive line and get Kenny help. And you did that from the draft and from free agency with Jeron Reed, and we have now get Jair Alexander back and that secondary is going to be even better. Um, so it was just nice to hear kind of a unbiased outside perspective saying, yeah, you know, this, this Green Bay defense actually can and should be pretty dominant this year. So it's exciting.
1: Yeah. We're doing for Pack-A-Day a series right now, um, Kyle, Andrew, and myself, where we go through and we look at all the Packers opponents. And it's really fun to kind of see the evolution of the rosters, you know, and I agree with you that, it, it's important to take a step back and kind of compare this Packers roster to rosters around the league because we can have a tendency to, you know, have high expectations because of guys like Aaron Rodgers and, you know, the the highest paid players at their positions, Jai Alexander, and the, the way that these players can elevate teams. But it has been really interesting in doing kind of those like deep comparisons to seeing that. You know, the Lions potentially have the best shot at getting second in the NFC North right now, you know, barring some significant injuries. And just, you know, the way that the league has kind of fluxed, the next couple of weeks we'll be talking about some of their other opponents. But, yeah, it's been really cool to take, like, a, a deeper look at some of these rosters that we don't normally get to see, like the Jets. We'll have to talk about the Jets. And the Jets is, are actually a really exciting roster right now. But and let's dive into our questions. We had some really good questions, like I said earlier, uh, from Twitter. Starting with what player on each side of the ball do you think takes the biggest jump from last year? So yeah,
0: it is a good one. I've been thinking about it a lot because I think there are some really obvious answers. Um, and I think biggest jump is really kind of a subjective, not to nitpick right. the question, but it is a little subjective, right? Like, are we talking about a Rashawn Gary who is already on this ascension and there's the expectation that he's going to now make that jump to edge one, potentially one of the best in the league, right? Is, is getting to that full potential that we kind of see him nearing or is it Eric Stokes, right? Who had a fantastic rookie campaign and you hope to see him again, kind of ascend into that second year player, um, not having some of those, you know, rookie mistakes, getting better at tracking the ball and his kind of ball skills. There's some things that he needs to improve on. I think you can make the case for both, um, of those types um, and I think on the other side of the ball I, I the offense is a little bit more challenging to me because I think some of the players that are left from the previous regime are really set in who they are
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: so I don't see Alan Lazard taking a big jump you know even if he kind of slots into that wide receiver run role he doesn't need to right he he has his role he's very good at his role and my expectation isn't that he's going to become the next Devontae Adams, right? Same with Jones or even A.J. Dillon. I'd love to see more balance in getting A.J. Dillon on the field more or having both of them on the field. But that's not that's not a jump to me. So I think the only my only response, I guess, to this question on the offensive side of the ball is Amari Rodgers, right? Which is basically you hope he goes from no production whatsoever to – legit some any kind of legitimate production in the offense this year
1: yeah i like you know the way that you summarize the defensive picks because i think you know obviously you could add a guy like jair alexander into that conversation too we know who he is we know what he can be but since he was injured you know wanting to see him get back to i thought he was going to be a first team all pro that was my like bold prediction for g tv before the 2021 season started and obviously the injury took that away from him so Seeing him get back to that kind of form, does that really count as a jump? Probably not, but you know, it shows the the kind of improvement that the defense or the team as a whole would have if he does make that kind of leap. I'm gonna go with Darnell Savage, I think, for this actually. I my like my brain says Eric Stokes, but just, you know, even hearing like the safeties coach and you know, Jerry Gray and all of these different coordinators talking about how they feel about Savage and even like Rasul Douglas and the guys in the room thinking that he can be a premier safety in this league. If he can just put a couple things together with the secondary, that's already so dangerous. I think that that would just, you know, go a long way as far as not only the production of the defense, but just this core, especially going into, you know, his, his fifth year option and the fact that he's due a long-term contract really soon. Yep. Um, offensively that's tricky. I, it feels like a, like a cheat to say, Anybody that's not like a rookie wide receiver, but they weren't on the team last year. So, you know, we don't have their production to measure. I think what I'll be interested in is the guys like Tyler Davis, as weird as that sounds, are guys that will have the opportunity to carve out a role for themselves. Robert Tunyon, obviously coming back again, it's kind of cheating because he's injured. But seeing more production, I think, from the tight end room as a whole would go a long way for the offense, especially with young receivers.
0: I think the only other thing I'd add about the offense that I've been thinking about too is. And again, I don't know what a jump looks like for an offensive line, but I think another year together and another year hopefully with everyone healthy. Like there was so much last season that I'd love to see finally what this offensive line looks like healthy. And I don't know if we will see that until the second half of the season, but I think it's going to be a really cool comparison to say, okay, there's been, there was a lot of rookies on the line last season, right? A lot of guys who had never had to start before, like Yash. You know, you're by the second half of the season, hopefully, you have David Bakhtiari and Elton back. Like, what does this line actually look like comparatively when you have your five key starters on the field at the same time?
1: yeah and I mean I think it's funny for all the conversations that we had last season about you know there being really good depth along the offensive line you could argue the depth is like exponentially better this year and that's not including you know Elton Jenkins returning from injury so the way the Packers drafted I think we were all really high on the three linemen that they took and their versatility to play at any spot Um, so I think that's going to be one of the biggest camp competitions is where these guys will end up finding kind of their spot on the line but Next question. What is your way too early prediction as to who will end the season as the top three wide receivers um, from a productivity standpoint? And then what's your go-to summer beer?
0: (laughs) Um, I think it's pretty simple to me. And this is obviously under the assumption that Lazard signs his contract and (laughs) plays for the Packers. But to me, it's going to be Cobb, Lazard, and Christian Watson. Um, I would love to see, you know, a guy like Romeo Dubs or even Amari Rogers get in there. But I think I say that one, because Cobb is the vet now, right? Like he is the guy. He's also now Rogers only security blanket. So I fully expect him to have a productive season. And that could mean again, 600 yards, six touchdowns, that's still going to be a great season for a guy like Cobb. I feel similarly about Lazard. You and I have talked about this, like My expectations for a Packers receiver having an 1,000-yard season is very low. I I don't see that happening. But if you have Rodgers spreading the ball around, you can get these top three guys to be incredibly productive, and it won't matter because points are points no matter who's scoring them. Um, I say this with – a caveat that this is this question asks about productive wide receivers. Um, if it was most productive offensive skill players, I'm putting Aaron Jones and AJ. Dillon Same. In that top three. Um, Aaron Jones has been has had the second most targets, you know, in the passing game from Aaron Rodgers for the last couple of seasons. I don't see that stopping. I actually see that increasing. Obviously, that you know all doesn't even include what him and A.J. Dillon are able to do on the ground in the running game. So if I'm looking at this holistically across everyone, it's going to be both our running backs in the passing and the running game and a Lazard or a Cobb. It's not going to look that much different, I think. And we can maybe get into this in some, answering some of the other questions. I don't think this offense is really going to look that different. Without Devontae Adams, you're just going to have someone... Else, running those routes and Aaron Rodgers is going to be throwing the ball around we've seen this before when Adams gets hurt right like the offense is going to look like it did the last two three seasons when you didn't have Adams on the field
1: yeah I'm glad that you put that in there about Jones and Dylan because I think that 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 is a big asterisk you know Robert Tunyon too coming back if Aaron Rodgers you know we know he's going to utilize his rookie wide receivers we know it's not just he's not going to disregard second round pick, right? Like he's going to have to develop a rapport with him to an extent and get Watson acclimated into the offense. But from a productivity standpoint and how this offense works, Matt LeFleur uses two tight end sets all the time anyway. So there will be other weapons on the field. I think, you know, from a productivity standpoint at wide receiver, we could be looking at numbers where it's like 700 yards, 600 yards, 500 yards and on paper, maybe that doesn't look super productive, but just the cohesion of the offense in general and the way that it'll function. I absolutely agree. I think you said it perfectly that it's not going to look that different. It just might look different from the sense that the Packers might not have a thousand yard receiver this season.
0: But let's say you do have five skilled players who have over 500 yards and five touchdowns, right? That's, you're still going to have a really productive offense, um, right. And then in terms of my favorite summer beer, um, I love any kind of sour, any sour beer.
1: Mine is Heineken 0.0 because it's on call free. <laughs> <laughs>
0: because Maggie is
1: going drink right now. Um, but I can't wait to drink beers next summer. Um, all right. So next question. What surprise player or players, plural, do you think could be cut this year? And I don't know if we're talking like mid season or if we're talking about the ramp up, you know, after preseason. That's that's a tough one.
0: That is a tough one. Do
1: you have an answer on the top of your head? Because I might think about it a little bit. Yeah, I mean at going into like, you know, the the pre-draft process, I I could have made the case for a guy like Sammy Watkins because it felt very Devin Funchessy in the moment. But the way that LaFleur talks about him and Rodgers yeah. FaceTiming him, Sammy Watkins has a realistic shot maybe at being wide receiver one, like of the way that Rodgers wants to utilize him. So definitely not the case there. Um, I don't know. You know, normally you you could argue guys like Dean Lowry, but he's been so productive that he's not it's not gonna happen. So I don't know. I I don't see there being, I don't see a Josh sitting in the situation, I guess, where somebody that would really like, you know, shock everybody if they just weren't back on the roster.
0: I agree with you. I'm not sure there is one. I I think it's going to be very par for the course. It's going to be camp guys that we love like Juwan Winfrey and KB and Ento, et cetera. Like they're going to be back on the practice squad. I I don't think there's going to be anyone that necessarily gets cut that fans are like, Oh my God, we're so shocked.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, if a guy like Dennis Kelly had come back, Billy Turner honestly would have been a really good candidate for me as far as a surprise cut if he was on the roster. But the fact that the Packers kind of cleaned house before the draft, yeah, I think the surprise cuts happened already. I think that, you know, we're not going to see anything else as camp progresses. Um, thank you, thank you. What should we expect from the offense this year? We kind of talked about this a little bit in answering every other question, but I don't know. I think spread the ball around. Get all your skilled players involved. I don't know. Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot because I've been seeing a lot of... Chatter.
0: Talking chatter, yes. (laughs) um, About the Packers all of a sudden being this power run
1: team. Yeah, thanks, Dan Orlovsky.
0: And I just want to... I'm going to tweet this at some point once I get it into a nice, neat character. But I don't really get it because I understand, you know from outside looking in you can say well there's no true wide receiver one so why wouldn't they lean on their two backs okay fair but malafleur has used power run concepts already the past couple of mm-hmm. seasons, ever since they drafted AJ Dillon and they still pass the ball plenty so i don't think that's going to change our maybe in a rpo situation rogers chooses to hand the ball off instead of uh forcing it To Adams, like maybe it looks like they're running the ball more because of those kinds of decisions, but I don't think the offense is going to look any different than it has the last three seasons. And I don't, I also think those two things having power run, having a top wide passing the ball, they're not mutually exclusive. Like you still have Aaron Rodgers and he's still going to throw the ball. Aaron Rodgers elevates every player around him to be better I mean look at what he's done with players undrafted free agents like watch Tyler Davis becomes like tight end two and everyone's talking about him again just like Robert Tunyon a couple of seasons ago like you're not going to really see a very different offense you're going to see a pure Matt LaFleur offense which is super exciting but it's going to be balanced it's not going to be this all of a sudden the Packers or the Ravens
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the perceptions that some people have is that we're going to see like a 70-30 split and Rodgers is going to throw like 20 passes a game. And that's just, that's not going to happen. It it didn't happen when Jordan Love was the quarterback, you know, when Rodgers had to sit out. So it's, it's not the way that Matt LaFleur operates his offense. And it's definitely not the way he's going to operate an offense with an MVP candidate, you know, for his third consecutive season under center, especially, you know, and, you know, read the tea leaves however you want. If Rodgers is literally talking about every season being a case by case basis and possibly retiring, I don't think he's gonna be like, yeah, I'm just gonna, you know, throw the ball five times and, you know, lean on the run game in my last season. Um, yeah, I just I don't I think, you know, maybe the perception with the the run game being more involved is just that we're going to see running backs as the primary focus in the offense, you know, pony package, a lot of catching out of the backfield. But as far as scrimmage numbers for the both backs, I think it'll be pretty consistent to the numbers that we saw in 2021 when Devonte Adams was a green Bay Packer. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Jawan Winfield already. We have a question about it. Is he the next Jeff Janice, or will he actually make the step to wide receiver three? <laughs> That's tough. No that's a, yeah, that's I, I don't see Dewan Winfrey
0: making the team or the fifty three. I should say, like he will be another practice squad guy. but backers are already caring about six wide receivers, I think can actually are lock are locks to make the team. um all three draft picks I would put over Dewan Winfrey.
1: yeah. and I mean, I think Winfrey's one of those guys that will make a really good case for himself to be like, you know, if there's seven wide receivers, wide receiver eight, like the second there's an injury, I think he comes up to the active roster, but I just don't see him cracking into, you know, and I, I do understand that the Packers always draft who they feel is the best available on their board. But if they were that high on a guy like, you know, Winfrey, maybe they sacrifice the the two Ray pick in the seventh, you know, like the, I think they yeah. would have given him more opportunity. So, um, all right. Do you think Jordan Love should have the playbook down in year three? Yes. And I think he
0: already has the playbook down. I think that the discrepancy here is you can have the playbook down, but can you execute? Right. And I think what we want to see from Jordan Love this year is how well are you executing this playbook? But he has it already in his head.
1: Yeah, I'm excited for him to get more reps, obviously, in the preseason. Um, I'm curious to see, you know, the way that the offense functions when he's under center. I thought there were moments in the Chiefs game. It's not a good, you know, look, obviously. It's a one-game sample size. But I think that, you know, he's going to continue to progress just like a guy like Kurt Benkert is progressing in the offense. These quarterbacks that have been in the room a long time, especially of Jordan Love's pedigree as a first-round pick, I think he's got it, you know, more than people maybe want to give him credit for as far as his command of the offense all right. Are we watching the USFL? And if yes, any thoughts on the quality of the game or the competition? You said you were not watching this, I am correct? not watching,
0: so it's, <laughs> it's you, all you.
1: Um. Yeah, I started watching it a little bit in the offseason because it was football and, you know, new. And when there's football on my TV, I tend to, to check it out. I think some of it stylistically is pretty cool, like drones filming kickoffs. Like it's a lot of stuff I don't think I'd want the NFL to adopt. But as far as like a a B League or a Farm League, it's really cool to see them kind of test things, test these things out. Hearing the referees talk about why they're making the decisions live is really interesting. I think, again, it could get the NFL in some hot water, but there are some cool kind of things that they're experimenting with. Um, But I like it as far as, you know, I I hate to keep calling it a farm league, but guys that, you know, maybe didn't latch on to a practice squad in the NFL, but do want to get their film out there I think there's some guys that are talented enough in the USL to get a USFL to get a call up to make an NFL roster either on the back end of the 53 or the practice squad so from that kind of perspective it's cool but it's not going to replace you know what I watch on Sundays come Come the fall, um, Perry. Do you want to? Do you want to take this last question? <laughs> <Do you Sure. laughs> um So, if you won four and a half pounds of mozzarella in some
0: sort of wacky supermarket weight guessing game, what would you do with it all?
1: Yeah. Shout out to Peter Bukowski for accurately guessing four point five pounds of mozzarella and winning it. You know, as somebody who is Italian and lives in Wisconsin, big fan of mozzarella as a cheese. Uh, big fan of cheese in general. I don't know. I'd probably just cut it up and eat on everything like I do with the cheese that's in my house already. What about you, Perry? Do you do anything weird with it?
0: No weird, but I would maybe have a little like pizza party and have some friends over and we all make some pizza pies with uh, my fresh mozzarella. Do some. I don't know like what it sticks. says about me, but when I hear four and a half pounds, I'm not. That
1: isn't a lot of mozzarella to me. This <laughs> means you're meant to live here. Yeah, yeah, I'm like that's Sunday. That's grocery shopping. But, I mean, these were fun. These were good questions. Um, you know, made me a little bit hungry, I guess, towards the end there. But always fun to to see, I guess, where fans are at as far as, you know, the questions that they have going into the offseason and I think – or into training camp. And I think a lot of these questions will be answered once, you know, the pads come on and we're able to, to get more insights into practice. So, yeah. I think it's fair that everyone's wondering what this offense looks like. Yeah.
0: Um, but I think – it. I don't think it's going to look as different as we think it is. So it's just going to be no seventeen, which is yeah. unfortunate. You know, seeing him in his black and silver Raiders jersey, it it's weird. Even though
1: he looks he dope. Like,
0: <laughs> no, I I, I I don't like it. It's not right. Um, it's hard to watch a homegrown guy go somewhere else. Like, it is. No, I agree. A I, grown guy, right? Like the leader in. So many um, records, like someone who's going to end up being in the Packers Hall of Fame. I, uh, I don't love it, but the Packers will be fine. They will persist.
1: So you saying homegrown made me realize that we did miss one question. It's actually okay. a really interesting question. It's at the very bottom of our list, so sorry whoever asked it. Um, for 47 consecutive seasons, and we didn't fact check. We didn't fact check this. So um, Green Bay's leader in receiving yards has been a guy whose career started and developed in Green Bay. So does that streak end this year with Devontae Adams leaving or who would be most likely to keep that streak alive? Would it be Randall Cobb, Amari Rogers, or one of the rookie draft picks? That's, that's interesting. If it's actually 47 consecutive years, that's a long, long time a long for a time. homegrown guy to lead the room.
0: I'm like now in my brain thinking about the homegrown guys who would, I mean, I guess it was probably Donald driver for forever. So that makes sense. Jordy um, Jennings
1: and Devonte Freeman. Yeah, um, I mean, you gotta go way back.
0: <laughs> I think. Yeah, I mean, look. I don't care. <laughs> I guess is my answer. <laughs> like, if our if Sammy Watkins wants to come in and break this streak and be the leader in receiving yards this season, fine by me. Um, I think some of these are really cool to look at, and I think that says a lot about the Packers draft and develop, um, strategy and that it clearly works for them. And I hope that Christian Watson takes up that mantle at some point, but it's Super Bowl or nothing else at this point.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I guess for the specifics of the question of that group, who'd be most likely to do it, maybe Christian Watson. I mean, I think Randall Cobb knows his role in the offense and I don't see him being, you know, 2014 Randall Cobb with a thousand yards and You know, I don't think that's what this offense is. I think he's comfortable where he's at with the offense and his relationship with Rodgers and being that kind of mentor for the room. Amari Rodgers would be insane. Like, I think that would just blow everyone away if he was the guy. Obviously can't be Alan Lazard. So, yeah, I mean, Christian Watson probably probably is the most likely of that group, but... I agree with you, you know, I think we could be seeing an offense where there's nobody over 600 receiving yards, but everybody's got like three touchdowns and the Packers are still productive. And maybe they're not putting up 40 points a game, 35 points a game like they had been. But if they're winning games 24 to 14, because the defense is stifling, who's going to care? The answer is nobody. Nobody's going to care. No one's going to care, except national media will be like, can they beat good teams in the playoffs? Sorry. (laughs) That's go. a really good media voice, but that is all the time that we have for today. You can find Perry on Twitter at Perry Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at PWSS podcast or find the podcast on Twitch, Twi- uh, Twitch, Instagram and YouTube at PAX, what she said. Thank you as always for listening to the show. Thank you for sending in questions next week. We will have our father's day episode. Can't wait for that. It's one of my favorite shows every year. Um, but yeah go packo go, go packo